listening to 9to5.cc podcast. Welcome back to the 9to5 entertainment system. Uh, reminder, we're going to be updating the list in the next couple months. So if you look at 9to5.cc slash the list and there's something on it that you dislike, let us know and we might change it. If you enjoy 9to5 entertainment system, you might enjoy 9to5 entertainment system garbage time on this week's garbage time we talk about spooky season recommendations like spooky movies spooky tv shows and spooky podcasts but on this the main episode the one you're listening to right now we talk about american versus chinese chips we bet you can't eat just one we talk about crypto the new star wars is not for us the acclaimed have arrived my bloody valentine werewolf by night hocus pocus 2 x by ty west and the midnight club on netflix all this more on 90s cue the music Cue it. We, we have to open with the, uh, the list refactor for people who would download this podcast and listen to only the hottest 10 minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah. We have to... So, this is the official scheme to rebalance the list. We've been complaining about it for years and about needing to do it. Uh-huh. The, uh, each one of us three is going to independently come up with a list of ten films that we feel need to be modified up or down. Mm-hmm. God, this, I'm, I'm only predicting that there's going to be maximum five that's going to appear on all three of our lists. But that's okay. Like We can fight over what are the next, the next ones if there are only five ones that are on them all. But this is why we're also yeah. going to the, to the listeners, because they can submit any amount of movies that are on the list. And then we will count those votes as though we need to discuss them as well. Yeah. So if, if a bunch of fans feel like one movie is off, off kilter, well, then we could... Maybe I shouldn't say fans. Maybe I should say people who decide to send us a list of movies. Because <laughs> yeah. and I, those be are the same. same. I, I've been looking into it too. I think there's a way I'm going to be able to use like SurveyMonkey or whatever to just like okay. upload everything. And then so you can just like have like a little radio button if you want it and then click up or down. So yeah. someone could just. I, I worry that people will look at the whole list and be like, eh, too much work. And so if you want to use the survey monkey, dear listener, feel free to do that. We will set oh, that up. Oh, but you won't need to also... you won't need to pick like everything. You can just like scroll like look at the list, pick the ones you want. Yeah. Like you can submit a survey monkey with one response to it and say, right, I think right, this right. one movie should be up. You don't need to like yeah. assess hundred and sixty things. Or if you want to send us a, a, like a, an analysis of why a particular movie Ooh. deserves to be way up or down, or you want to get like intense about it, I, I'm ready to read everything that you have to say. Same, same. I want yeah. nothing but long-winded dissertations. That's a dangerous thing to say because I think Jimmy still listens sometimes, <laughs> and I, I kind of remember some very long we're gonna dissertations get... from back in the in, back in the we're day. We're gonna get Bad Book Twenty, the list. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> Bad Book Twenty, the list. You know, uh, you can you can joke about this all you want, but I think word count will definitely be a factor in how I weigh. Your, negative your submission, right? No, not negatively. I really want those those long, rambling, incoherence uh, explanations. Anyway, so I think a month from today. Well, so a month from today show. is pretty ambitious. This is something that I might be willing to put into our holiday block. I think. Oh yeah. Okay. I think that like a we often have sometimes need to do record doubles around the holidays. Oh yeah. And, yeah, this, and this, this would double. be a pretty good uh this would be a pretty good double to around the holiday yeah. time. This might be our Christmas present to you. 
listener. Whatever. Start getting your list in. We'll, yeah. we'll keep it going as long as we get submissions. Yeah, anyone who's literally listening to us probably has our contact information, and they can message us that stuff. But then I'm gonna, I'm gonna, like I said, put together a little survey thing and start promoting it and try to mm-hmm. try to get some people who are just movie buffs to to take a look at it. Like I know, like Walter hates <laughs> so many of our ratings. Like hates. Them. I mean. That's okay. I mean, we've always acknowledged there's a little bit of self-indulgence or a yeah, lot he, going into he, that list. Like, I remember Walter like no, pointed, because we're ineffable. Yeah, but <laughs> ineffable. Walter, <laughs> Walter like really, really, really disliked the fact that like we had uh, Return to Newcom High so low. But he's like, the point is that it's trash, and I'm like, okay, so it's. I was like, the fact. I was like, I was like, this again. We ranked it the way we did because it succeeded at what it was trying to do. But what it trying to do has a ceiling of watchability and entertainment. Like I enjoyed Return to Newcom High plenty. I'm not. Are you gonna go back and watch it again? Yeah, not not itching to I return. Don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, uh, if you're into the, if you're into the list, if you're into movies, if you're into whatever else, yeah, reach out. Uh, take go go to nine to five cc slash the list. Tell us what's wrong with it. You could probably I don't know if you can comment. We might have to say about comments because we've got a bunch of spam comments. But yeah, yeah. Well, if you if you can't reach us and you don't know how, just email me at scott at nine to five dot cc directly to Scott. Super easy. Yeah, Scott, I got it. Or uh, send snail I mail check, to Scott. <laughs> Peel <Pure> box. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was that was an <clears throat> important message. So what's going on, guys? I, I I have like some movies and stuff that I've watched, but I'm pretty out of it in terms of like goings okay. ons. In history, mm-hmm. important things happen, and before those important things happen, there are often signs that that important thing is about to happen. Uh-huh. But people don't always recognize those signs. That's part of the the, the joy of watching the news. Okay. Okay. So last week. Um, President Biden signed into law a new uh, directive for American persons, mm-hmm. the legal term American persons, in that they are not allowed to supply technology or efforts to any AI or there's like any not AI, sorry, any chip making processes used in China. Mm-hmm. So he has a list of like the particular levels of technology that are allowed and that are not allowed to be worked on in China. But the text of the um, executive order is extremely broad. So when he when he uses the term any American technology, I don't I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but it's been it's being assumed to apply to management techniques and other types of like business methodology such that a whole bunch of Chinese chip making companies have just like shut down because their entire leadership organization just up and said, nope, sorry, we can't do this anymore. We're quitting. Mm -hmm. A whole bunch of Chinese chip making companies that were like on the path of making fabs and stuff have said, okay, we have to stop everything we're doing basically because we can't do this on our own. Mm -hmm. And uh, Taiwan is probably uh, getting a little more jittery right now because I feel like a whole, like this is one of those things that you're going to look back on and be like, this is an escalation of trade, uh, of like trade war. Right. And then, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is uh, not necessarily meant to be like a, a, a shot of, I mean, not to say, who knows what it's meant to be. Not being positioned yeah. as a shot in the info wars, tech wars, but as being positioned to bolster the U.S. economy and chip production. But obviously the, the, the other repercussion is you're, you're cutting off the like, cross-communication of technology, so you're cutting China off from whatever America's well, developing. 
I think the the way I understand it is that China has pretty crappy chip making production. Mm-hmm. Like they they do do some, but it's all really really low end stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just Taiwan, and maybe there's one other country, but I don't recall off the top of my head who have the 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 fabs they call them, like the the plants where they make chips yeah. built up. The thing about fabs is that they 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 require like an insane amount of of like ongoing work to keep them going to not let anything in them fuck up and to build in the first place and it's not the kind of thing that you can steal that easily like you need technical expertise ongoing to be able to put these things out so you know is is this a thing where they're saying we want to shut down china's ability to to make and use top tier chips like definitely i've heard a lot of people saying that it's it's also like it's going to spur China to figure out how to do this stuff on their own. Mm-hmm. But everybody kind of acknowledges that this is an in- incredibly complicated, difficult thing to do. I read a little story about um, a chip making plant where somebody forgot to close the door properly mm-hmm. one time and it got dust into the floor of the fab, which fucked up all chip making production at that fab and decreased global chip production by something like 10 percent for six months. Like there are not a lot of these they're incredibly fragile to to keep going and incredibly easy to fuck up interesting yeah so you're saying this is going to make it harder to get a ps5 that's what i mean well i don't think so right that's <laughs> japan and uh japan has been like america's toehold into the east for uh, i guess since the end of world war ii so uh you know i don't know so, so you're saying Xbox it's harder for all over the Chinese place, people though. to get <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm, I started this hard for China to mine crypto. Yeah, well, you you would have other reasons to stay away from crypto right now. There's been an ongoing crash for quite a while, and there's been a lot of a lot of the. the I don't know if you've heard anything about Tether. Tether, you know what that is? Anyway, Tether, Tether has been. Yeah, no, Tether is like um, a crypto coin that is meant to mirror the value of the American dollar. Okay. So it's supposed to always stay exactly at one to one to the American dollar. And it's like the idea is that it exists to facilitate transfers in and out of the crypto ecosystem. So like you always know a tether is worth one whatever, but it's easier to trade a Bitcoin for a tether than it is a Bitcoin for a USD. Got it. The, the, the way that they, they maintain that balance is, is they claim that they have exactly, you know, for every one dollar of tether, there is one dollar of actual real world legitimate assets, whether they be dollars or stocks or who knows whatever else they're supposed to be fully backed but like for the last five or six years it has been you know anybody who analyzes it comes away saying it's a total fucking scam it's not backed by anything as soon as people try to sell their tethers the whole system is going to collapse and there have been so many tethers made and then exchanged for bitcoin that the whole crypto ecosystem seems to be resting on the the validity of tethers and some guys have been doing research in the last couple months that are like getting into the where Tether came from, who's backing it, all that, et cetera, et cetera, and saying that it's like but, but that's dirty like, as shit. Yeah, but I was like, isn't that the, the whole crypto thing? Is it's like, like I remember like like early early on in crypto, the I think it was like John Oliver or whatever, like had mm-hmm. had a financial guy who was like, absolutely, there's going to be a shit ton of money to be made, but it is not based in reality, so it's only as much as people agree to, and like while and while that is true of all other stocks, all other stocks and currencies have laws and legislations tying them to assets crypto does not so he's like it's not saying it's necessarily an automatically bad investment but it is automatically about the most volatile investment you could possibly make because there is no legislation that requires a real world tie-in whatsoever the way there is in other stocks or currency so 
<clears throat> like the guy was saying, yeah. he was like, it was not just not just tied in, but also backed by an American military with a shitload of guns will shoot you if you if you you know like oh, there, yeah, but, I mean, but, that, but that's, but that's what he was saying. But he was like, even the like people were comparing it to say like investing into foreign markets and stuff. He's like, no, it's not even like that. It's not just yeah. like it's like yeah, you can yeah. get off the New York Stock Exchange, off the TSX, and into weird foreign trading markets, and there's still all over the planet some degree of legislation in what it takes to have a stock in something and that does not exist in crypto so he's like in a tier of like risk it's was like like an unheard of level of risk and this was when it all started and i was always like oh yeah it's it's cool everybody's Mm -hmm. agreeing to it put a bit of money in it was ready to lose it lost some money not a ton (laughs) not a ton but i was like i just put some fun money in like i also invested in a gold mine guys like you know like there's gold yeah well, that's going to be my comment. It's basically gold in World of Warcraft. <laughs> kind of. Except that gold is still used right. for stuff, though. There is still, like, an intrinsic. You, if you buy it, you still have gold that is worth something. It's not necessarily true for, for crypto. Someone was just sort of like the, um, the the what do you call it, Pokemon cards were a safer and less volatile investment than Bitcoin, whatever it was, when they were, like, tracking your, like, return on investment and volatility. <laughs> yeah. And I was like... But that's like when you're compared to Pokemon cards. You're like, are you real? Okay, but I bet there's a lot of stocks. At Logan Paul. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there are a a lot of stocks that have performed unfavorably to to Pokemon cards. Like that's true of Magic the Gathering. I I, I bet even to a wider degree. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure there's like enormous amounts of money to be made on Magic. I don't. I don't know. I feel the demand on Pokemon is probably higher. Like. There's hmm. never been like a five million dollar magic card, right? Whereas like Pokemon's hit that like hit that. I think like this is it's that whole. I was Star Wars memes pop up on my feed every now and then, and I've been like coming to really like grips with the fact that there's an entire group of people where like their favorite Star Wars character is Ahsoka Tano. Who the girl with the blue tentacle head orange oh, ahsoka. Uh-huh. yeah ahsoka. ahsoka ahsoka tano is her last name tano is her last name uh-huh. ahsoka is her first name what's her name she was in uh, the boba fett yeah she exactly that's it, but she was already people's favorite character when she showed up in the boba fett yeah from Clone exactly Wars. that's it but like a... she's anakin's padawan yeah she's anakin's hmm. padawan and there are so many memes about her and like so many people love her and like whatever else and i was like this is a person I'm only, like, tangentially aware of. Like, even when I went to the Star Wars, um, like, that weird, like, costume and prop uh, touring museum thing that they had a couple of years back, Kyle was in the commercials. Yep. <laughs> uh, like, you have all of this stuff, and then they had some of the character design and whatever, like, a whole section devoted to, like, Ahsoka Tano. And I was like, hmm. who cares? <laughs> but then I was like, oh, right, kids. Clone High was really big. Clone High. <laughs> Clone Wars was pretty big, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. I That's mean, it. we talked about like, this for before. Kids, seven, it was like their, their show. Like you, you, yeah. like you saw the shitty movies and probably thought about them, whatever you thought about them. But then every day after school, there was a, like Clone Wars or whatever. And that became your Ninja Turtles or your G.I. Joe or your whatever. So mm-hmm. you're like, yeah, this is my Star Wars. It's not the movies. It's these cartoons. And, and Scott tries to watch them and says they're garbage. They're just not for me. I don't get it. 
I mean, I kind of get that the guy, completely. The guy who was like the big mind behind Clone Wars is the guy who teamed with uh, John Favreau to do The Mandalorian. So hmm. I guess he learned something. I suppose. Are either of you guys watching any uh, Andor? I don't know if we talked about it more. Nope. Saw the first episode and checked out. Sad. What was, this what is was boring the first and episode? I don't care about this character. Wow, you're what's wrong with the world, Scott. You're like, oh, I'm so sick and tired of Star Wars. It's always about the same characters and the Skywalkers and everything else like that. Give me something new. Here's a new guy. Don't care, new guy. <laughs> I mean, he could, I mean, he could I suck independently episode. of those things. He's wrong. Scott is okay. wrong. I'm, I'm yay for new guy. Boo for putting new guy in boring ass story. I don't know. I liked it a lot. <clears throat> um, what's the story? What's the what's what's the show? It's the the birth of the rebellion. Like. Like, before they had Jedi friends and stuff. So it's, like, mm-hmm. Mon Mothma is still, like, uh, she pops up, I think, in episode three or four. Like, she's still sort of, like, working as an Imperial senator, kind of, like, funding the Rebellion. What's his name? The guy from the Rebellion in the Rogue One. Famous actor, like, super respected. What's his name? Come on, guys. The guy who plays is Cassian Andor? No, not the guy that plays Cassian Andor. The guy who's, like, in charge of the Rebellion in, in Rogue One. Andor. Oh, ghost Dog. Ghost dog. Not ghost dog. Stellan Skarsgård, yeah, the, the eldest Skarsgård. Oh. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, so he plays like the uh, the backer guy who's like also kind of like on. He's like a Coruscant money man, like hobnobbing with Imperials, but also like funding the rebellion on the on the down low and stuff. Like, and it's cool shit. I like it a lot. I, I think it's it's. I mean, that makes him the bad guy from the second, the the Ryan Johnson Star Wars movie. He's a profiteer. But he's not, though, because he's taken all of the Imperial money and funding the Rebellion. So he's not the bad guy from the Ryan Johnson one. Well, I mean, he's setting up a war. He is, but we're setting up a Rebellion. Which is going to cost everyone on Leia's planet their lives. Yeah, he doesn't know that. Good job. Yeah. Anyway, you I want to make an omelet? I'm going to break some eggs. <laughs> I, 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 I dig it a lot. Really, voice is screaming out in terror and then suddenly silence. Yeah, but I mean, I think that you're not capable of imagining what, like, a Darth Vader is if you're just, like, a person. <laughs> I like to think I'm capable of imagining what a Darth Vader is. I don't know, but, like, existing just in, the re- in reality, I don't think, like, even if you are, like, I'm a rebellion and the Empire is evil, I don't think that you would ever think that they would shoot their gun at a planet and blow it up. Like, that, you know what I mean? Like, it's like how we sort of assume that no one's going to drop nukes, but we're like, like, well, there's definitely the threat of it. Like, people have okay, nuclear but, warheads, but we're kind of like, but people would sort of step in and prevent that from happening, right? Wouldn't that happen? No, that's not true, I mean, and it's already happened. In Japan? Yeah. But those are like baby nukes compared twice. to the nukes that we have. Yeah. So that, that's what I'm saying. I feel that in the world of Star Wars... No, but like, even if, first of all, I don't think the average person knows they have a Death Star and knows they even have that destructive capability. Like the average citizen of the galaxy doesn't know they have a Death Star. What about the thousands of contract, independent contractors? All of them going home and telling their wives about this crazy thing that I've been working on. They signed some ironclad NDAs, bro. (laughs) Like, I'm just saying like, like, it's a complete and total, like, yeah, they're here. I got it. Han would know if it was any kind of public. But they're like, that's no moon, and it blows everybody's mind. And it can blow Luke's mind, and it can blow Ben's mind, and whatever else. 
I really don't get what the point is you're trying to make here. I'm saying that I don't think the average citizen, even if they were a member of a rebellion trying to overthrow an Mm -hmm. evil empire, thought that the empire was going to blow up an entire planet. Like, that level of atrocity, I think, like, escalated so much more than any previous atrocities they had done. And and John, if you don't think about Star Wars this much, Uh you won't really like Andor. (laughs) (laughs) Well... I don't know. I, 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 I'm enjoying it, and I uh, don't even need to think about Star Wars that much. I think I, I would have enjoyed it if it was just uh, like... I think it's too late for that, Keith. <laughs> I, I would have enjoyed it if it was just like set in, a, in another totalitarian sci-fi world with a little rebellion coming up. Like, there's no lightsabers, there's no Jedis, there's no whatever. They're just like totalitarian, big bad intergalactic government and mm-hmm. rebels kind of fighting them. And trying to figure out something. I mean, but he's not even a rebel. He's a cop killer. Oh, my God, dude. But he becomes Andor. Everybody starts somewhere. And he starts on the run trying to cover up. Well, yeah, because fucking Han Solo started as a smuggler and he became a general of the rebellion. People come from all over the place, man. Huge difference between cold-blooded murder and. He just shoots Greedo because Greedo sat down. Greedo was going to shoot him. You know that for sure. Yeah, we also know that those guys were definitely going to kill Andor. You don't. You didn't watch enough of the Not show, the but guy. he's... Not the second guy. Yes. those The corporate security, Andor's wanted from step one. If they find out where he's from, he's a deserter from the military. He's dead. If they find out his real name, he's dead. Those guys will kill him. You didn't watch more than one episode. You don't know what's on the line. <laughs> I, mean, I don't want to watch Cop Killer scrambles to save his own skin. Yeah. Sounds sounds bad. It's bad for the soul. Okay, so are, wait, are you, wow, are you okay, a cop so apologist? Is this what's going on? Yeah, that's here? what I'm saying. I feel like Scott really wants to defend these cops. I don't want to defend them. I'm, I want to defund them. Yeah. Don't don't put them in that situation. But but shooting them in the face. That's not the. It's not the adventure I want to watch. And, mm. and how really are those cops different it, from stormtroopers, I, sir? How many stormtroopers get killed willy nilly? I don't know. Well, is signing this... up for the military is a whole other bag than signing up to be a security guard. Are, are you making a point here, Scott, that it's just kind of too edgy and dark, or did you just, or was it just not? No, fun? it's not. It's it's not edgy enough. It's just bleh. There was no Limbiscuit that played as he killed the cops. <laughs> oh man! Come on! <laughs> you edit that scene so break stuff is in the background. I mean... <laughs> I mean, the whole show changes its tone, and and I'm, I'm down. What about sabotage from the Beastie Boys? Can we do that uh, one again? Like, like while the Death Star is getting blowed up? I feel there's... Only if Elvis Costello runs out and interrupts it, and they play radio, radio. <laughs> I think there's, there's, there's a... There's got to be... That's a deep cut. <laughs> That's a deep cut. Oh, my God. Speaking of insane deep cut. Okay, so I don't know if we discussed uh, Scissor Me Daddy Ass yet. No. On the podcast? No. Man, I've been wanting to try to explain this to someone for a while. (laughs) Okay, so there's a wrestling duo uh, called The Acclaimed in AEW. Notable, especially because they have, I think, not the first, but among the first openly gay wrestlers is one of the duo. They teamed up. Um, what's, no, what's important is that's not part of his gimmick. Yeah, that is not part of his gimmick. 
that he, he like it, the fact that he's gay is not part of the character. They're they're just two like flamboyant dudes. They like to come in and rap and yell. The acclaimed have arrived. Like there there's no gay gimmick. But the right. the reason that he's gay kind of becomes important because it does give him license for what their catchphrase has become in a way that a straight man I don't think could get away with. Okay. Uh, so there's a wrestler. Unless you're Dustin Rhodes. Hmm? Unless, Unless you're Dustin, Dustin Rhodes. Yeah. So they teamed up with. There's a former wrestler known named as Billy Gunn and the badass Billy Gunn. And when like part of his gimmick in the '90s was like he was an ass man, and a lot he has a lot of ass based offense. He has the fame asser where he like does a little scissor and drops on his head and whatever else. He has two okay. kids also wrestling in AEW called like the gun the gun brothers the gun club whatever else that are like austin gun and colton. colton gun so all four of these younger guys are hanging out with the badass billy gun as their like mentor and then the two of billy gun's children like betray him oh and i forgot <laughs> they had the fans they had a spe- they the had fans. a special hand sign and where they just said scissor me and then they made their hands like scissors and they all interlocked their fingers so they were going scissor me and then like connecting their fingers okay. back and forth and, and you, you got to back up for one quick sec because the gun club um was being taunted by the fans instead of calling the two sons you know the gun club they were calling him the ass boys yeah. because their dad was mr ass yeah. mm-hmm. billy gun yeah so they were calling them ass boys to get under their skin. So they would get all mad. Like, we're not ass boys. Yeah. Also, also, we're gun boys. Also just happening. So Billy Gunn's sons betray him and turn their back on him. And Billy Gunn is, like, sad and dejected. But he still has these other two guys, the acclaimed. And it's Anthony Bowen, like, just looks at him and, like, like dead serious and, like, makes the little scissor sign. And then yells out at the top of his lung scissor me daddy ass and then billy gun's like yeah and they do the special scissor thing mm-hmm. and now they yell scissor me daddy ass and the crowd pop and the crowd explodes <laughs> You're just like, so now the good guys are being are helping the old guy be good yeah exactly they're like these are the sons these are the sons he deserves not his biological sons who have betrayed him but the acclaimed mm-hmm. which is fantastic Anyway, so that's explaining why Scissor Me Daddy Ass is a thing. Uh, Pat sent me a thing which was just sort of like uh, <laughs> from our Habs, which was like Goal Caulfield, and someone was just sort of like uh, Daddy, sort of like Daddy Goal, and then someone was like Scissor Me Daddy Goal, and I was like, this is such a weird deep cut for our Habs. <laughs> Scissor Me Daddy Goal is like ten ways removed from it about Cole mm-hmm. Caulfield. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's great. Now, now, John, you might think this is just like the crowd latching on to some weird memeable moment. Mm, no, I think everything's a work. Which it, it definitely is. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, the Scissor Me Daddy Ass t-shirt is the top-selling merch for that company now. Mm-hmm. so funny. They did International like, Scissoring people Day? People are laughing at it. People are laughing at it, but also putting money into the joke. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Scissor Me Daddy Ass is the, the greatest. <laughs> it's so insane. It propelled them so high, they're wearing the championship titles yeah. now. Which I, I believe is the first uh, like openly gay male champion of pro of like the main pro wrestling. No, what's his name? Male? Orlando Jordan had the US title when he was part of JBL's cabinet. Mm, I didn't think he got a belt. 
Yeah. Dang it. So not first. Sorry, Anthony. <laughs> but again, uh, Jordan had that weird I'm gay gimmick and it the worst. <laughs> it sucked, yeah. It was like exploited. Yeah, exactly. It's like we have bad. we have a gay star, so the story must be about how he's gay. Right. Right, right, right. Ah. Anyway, the acclaimed have arrived to the champions now. It's the best. Um Do you watch any like fun horror movies and stuff, guys? This, this is our I think this is the last episode before Halloween. Oh no. Uh oh. I watched a ghost story again. Oh. Do you remember that? Yeah. The uh, Affleck brother? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's as ghosty as I got. Uh I watched nineteen eighty one, a piece of I I think definitely has to be one of the best looking Canadian films from the 80s because it doesn't age poorly. Hmm. Porky. My Bloody Valentine, baby. Ooh, 1981's My Bloody Valentine. Is, mm-hmm. like, I was watching it. I was like, man, this is great. This is super good. It's so Canadian. Every accent is like incredibly Canadian. <laughs> also, it's like it's shot in Nova Scotia, so they drink in Moosehead all the time. And I was like, I don't think even the rest of Canada had Moosehead in 1981. Nope. Let alone like Absolutely this movie did not. like pretty well in the American market and did got like a like a drive house like grind house drive in grind house release and whatever. And I was like, everyone has been like, oh, did they make up a beer for this movie? And you're like, no, <laughs> it's just Nova Scotia, so they they all drink Moosehead at all times. <clears throat> That's great. Yeah. How did it? How did it feel? I feel like I, I haven't seen it in ten years or fifteen years or something. It has. So first of all, it was made on two two point three million dollar budget and apparently made five point seven at the box office, which is pretty great. I don't even yeah. know, and I and I'm not even sure how they would how they spent two point three million dollars on it, I, other than maybe distribution and marketing when they kind of found out that they had something. I would be shocked if this movie cost more than a million bucks to make. But anyway, right? Uh, no, it holds up like really well. The kills are pretty good. The acting is, like, not the worst. The plot line is complete insanity, right? Like, mm-hmm. the, if you recall the storyline, which is um, basically there was one. <laughs> how do I, yeah. So, like, 20 years prior, uh, to get to an early, to get to a Valentine's Day party early, like, the two, like, shift leaders of the mine, like, screwed off in the middle of the shift and, like, left some guys down there. And there was, like, an explosion and they died. But one of them didn't die. And he instead showed up and killed everybody at the valentine's day dance and now mm-hmm. it is 20 years later and like he vowed to he was saying like, you can never have a valentine's day dance ever again and 20 years later they're having another they're valentine's having day dance so the murders are happening again which is like just insane enough that it like works in a campy horror film but like also clearly is like having fun with the fact that it's a campy horror film because you're mm-hmm. like yeah why not have a valentine's day horror film like this has not been tapped as a <laughs> as a thing uh old-timey mining uh, outfits also look pretty scary so like just having the guy with the hat and the goggles and the the mask and whatever all good he puts people's hearts into yeah. chocolate boxes and all that looks pretty great like hmm. it's yeah it'd be hard to put them in heart-shaped chocolate boxes if it was like july you know you have to save those gross. for months yeah. Um, so yeah. So there's also I don't know what it's also like not not a lost film, but I also don't know what the fully uncut film was because so apparently because it was done in Canada, they didn't think about American distribution, mm-hmm. right? 
So there were like nine minutes that had to be cut for it to be like released because to to follow the standards of like the Motion Picture Association of America. Mm-hmm. So like there's a full nine minutes, and they've like since like in 2009 they've restored like three minutes of additional footage, but there's still like six minutes of presumably. Like, I'm like, there were, like, titties and stuff in 80s films. So I'm like, presumably it was just gore that these guys put in. Or, like, certain murder scenes or whatever else that were, like, too intense. Hmm. Male nudity? Maybe. Could just be a bunch of dicks. <laughs> but yeah, producer Dunning said that the film was essentially cut to ribbons in order to achieve the R rating. So... Hmm. Yikes. Yeah, so... Definitely dicks. Yeah, well, yeah it was... I don't know exactly. So is it, uh... Stills of the trim footage were published in Fangoria magazine. I'm not really seeing what was cut, though. Yeah, so par- apparently it has also been suggested that Paramount Pictures was keen to remove some of the offending footage due to the backlash they had received from releasing the original Friday the 13th. Was the original Friday the 13th that gory? Not I mean, really. It had some good kills, but not pretty, really. Pretty tame. Yeah. I like the idea of going to see Friday the 13th and then being so offended. You're right, Paramount Pictures. <laughs> I, I lived next door to, a, to a, a, a very Christian family when I was growing up, and the mom did that for, are you ready for it, Mars Attacks. Mm-hmm. She actually wrote to Tim Burton saying how unhappy she was with the violence in Mars Attacks. All right, but Mars Attacks, I think, could trick you. Right? Yeah, you might have thought you were going in for a fun family movie, and you were not. You were going in for, like, a weird... People's faces melt and burn and, yeah. like, die. And yeah. Like a, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mars Attacks, I, was, I, I watched the... I just watched the scene where they kill Congress for some reason. It like mm-hmm. popped up in my feed, and then he's just like, "Ha!" And he like pulls the thing, and then he's like, "Oh!" And just like puts it down. They're all like, "Ooh, thank God!" And he's like, "Ha ha!" And then it's like yeah. flame <laughs> zaps everybody. And I think like the like, like, the, the the president then just like Bleh! like throws up or whatever like while they're watching on like closed circuit. Mm-hmm. See again, I, I can see how that would trick you, right? Like it looks cutesy. It wasn't, you know, it's part of the gag. Mm-hmm. But Friday the Thirteenth, you know. Yeah. You you say it was back in the eighties, but like remember there were much, much more gruesome things done. Like when when was Cannibal Holocaust? Yeah, but that didn't I think had a, that didn't have a wide release. That was not released no. by Paramount Pictures. That's definitely true, right? Like I'm saying, like I'm, I think that there was obviously I think more insane like drive-in grindhouse style stuff going on. But like right, like, right, but brought, like Paramount brought out Friday the Thirteenth and put it on like every screen, mm-hmm. like so. Yeah, this just screams to me of those dogma protesters. <laughs> Mars Attacks Have came out in 1996. No, of course not. I remember, mm-hmm. and I went to go see it in theaters, and I feel there is no way that age 13, I was, sh- like, my parents would have been, excuse me, my parents would have been cool with me seeing it in theaters if they had known it was that violent. Not that I remember it being, like, traumatic or anything. Like, I'd certainly... No, no, no. It was still pretty cartoony. It's still, exactly. It was still pretty cartoony, yeah. but it was just, I think it was absolutely, I think, more violent than they necessarily would have been like, sure, go ahead. <laughs> like, I think it was like mm-hmm. me, and, me and my buddy John went to go see it, and like, I, without even parental supervision or whatever. But like, like, I think there would have at least been some kind of a discussion or something. Like, we didn't have to like, sneak it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when it's like, it was, it's it was, unbelievably it violent. As, <laughs> like, it was presented as Independence Day with, with more jokes. Yeah. Hmm. It was not like, that. It was not that. It's much more violent than that. It barely made its money back. Mm-hmm. $70 million, and it made $101 million. 
that... Tim, Tim Burton's a weird dude, man. His, his filmography reads crazy like. Mm-hmm. I, I think Mars Attacks is a high point, honestly. Like, well, he was entering a, a pretty bad part of his career, I think. I in agree, the late 90s. But, yeah. but I think Mars Attacks was that wasn't puppets. Was still very funny. <laughs> like, and and again, like I think, like it, it spoke to me even I think more on the rewatch, like later in life, under yeah. understanding like a the obvious like the War of the Worlds parody and like whatever else going on, and just like that 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 nineteen sixties like hokey Ed Wood style. Like the day, whatever. I mean, just the day the earth stood still, obviously. But just like, like those, just 50s. like fifties. Yeah, it's fifties. Yeah, yeah. Space paranoia. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's it. That then, and like when I appreciate that, I appreciate it even more. And Mars you're not Attacks, speaking ill of the day the earth stood still, are you? It, no. That was a really good no, movie. Sure. It was like way smarter than than. Also, did you know that Mars Attacks was space adventure like trading cards from 1962 by Tops? And like, if you look at the artwork, it's like dead on. I, I was all, I did know that. Yeah. I thought and that it was a movie from from back then. I didn't realize it was trading cards. No, it was. Uh, <laughs> it's well, yeah, card features oh, artwork John by Bollywood. Yeah, they're they're cool. They're really cool card trading cards. And like the the character design is like didn't even change it. Yeah. <clears throat> They're, they're cool and super violent. You have to imagine in 1962, like Martians vaporizing a pet dog, and like and again, it jokey like. Well, it makes sense too. It's, it's like, like uh, so like the main the main artist was was Wally Wood, right? Who did all the uh, the EC comic stuff, right? Yeah, House of Mystery, yeah, yeah, yeah that all, like that, that that classic pre 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 code stuff. Yeah, good times. Mars Attacks, man, it's great. So I watched Werewolf by Night, the Marvel movie, dipping itself into the black and white horror genre. Wait, what? Yeah, I saw that. They were like, Marvel prevents Werewolf by Night, and I was like, starring Jared Leto, and it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so I was like, oh, that's fun. It's like a a short, like sixty-five minute mini movie. Um, it's all in black and white mostly. There's a few like splashes of color in that. How is it Marvel? Right, Shyamalan. Werewolf by Night is a Marvel. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. But is it is it MCU? Like... Yes. Yes, it is. It's very weird, but and also kind of to its detriment, it is. Hmm. Um, a lot of what I read about it was critics railing on it, saying that it was unnecessarily violent and kind of loses the the thread of the story to go splatterhousey. I was like, nice. Yeah, I was like, that's fine. Sounds totally great. Check that out. <laughs> and it's done in like a, a 40s kind of macabre horror movie black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, big mansion, lots of like gothic imagery. And it it wasn't. It looked very pretty. The the imagery was nice, but the the violence was I don't know, blade level. Okay, which Lots is, I think, like, higher than MCU, though, like, for, yeah, for the most part. I mean, sort of, but it wasn't, like, bone-crunching viscera. It was a lot of, like, backlit shadows cast on the wall and dark blood being splattered on the screen. And it also was completely devoid of tension, which was sad. Hmm. Like, there should have been lots of spooky music and lots of, like... Creeping around the corners, yeah, like a black, a, like a black and white werewolf movie. I feel needs like those like high strung violins, like 
I'm like, whatever. Um, I mean, it was fine because it moved along real quick, mm-hmm. but um, it did have some other MCU characters in it. Or not MCU, um, Marvel Comics characters okay. mm-hmm. in it, which sort of took away from the like horror aspect. Such as? Because once they start naming comic book characters, you're just like, oh, well, that person's not going to die. That person's a character. Yeah. Right. You know? I mean, also, also, I feel that like a werewolf, a werewolf's threat level diminishes rapidly in a world with like Wolverine and Cyclops. Like, I'm like way less scared of a werewolf. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like if if Thanos snapped half of reality out of existence a couple years ago, I'm not going to be like, oh no, a werewolf. <laughs> New York got invaded by space aliens. <laughs> And then knocked knocked over a bunch of skyscrapers. (laughs) On the upside, the final bad guy was not another werewolf, which was great. It gives it points over, like, Morbius. What was it? Blade. Vampire. Uh, It was the the human monster hunters (laughs) that were out to to kill monsters. Did did you hear about the ending of (laughs) She-Hulk? I I watched the ending of She-Hulk. Why does he have to be a Hulk? Why can't he just be a shitty guy? (laughs) Why is Bruce showing up? So they, 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 they set up a big giant set piece finale where her, uh, her like, a shitty guy ends up, like, stealing the, a Hulk serum, becomes a Hulk. Uh, Abomination is there fighting him. Bruce Banner shows up, and then there's, like, there's a big old Hulk fight, and everything is flying around. And she Hulk just stops. She's like, this is stupid. What is happening? And then, mm-hmm. like, breaks the fourth wall out into, like, the Disney Plus menu Breaks into Avengers Assembled, so like, which is one of those like making of documentaries, to then yell at the writers and be like, "Why is this happening? This is a dumb ending." Really? Yeah, and then yep. and then demands to meet with Kevin, who instead of actually being Kevin uh, Feige, actually is an algorithm that is just like a robot being like, "This is how we believe that would like the ending would like pull better." And she's like, "No, this is dumb." And then that is not the ending. There's another ending to the show. He instantly makes all the changes. Yeah, and sets her back. And he's just sort of like he's just like I just and also get and I hope that Matt Murdock just shows up because she after it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny. It's, fun. it's at okay, least okay. it's it's, 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 a, it's a, a whole show done kind of like comedy. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The yeah, whole okay. the whole show is done comedy, and she also talks okay, to the camera okay. like Ferris Bueller like all the time. All like, right, right, right. So. This is obviously like the biggest fourth wall smash, and the fact that she like leaves the show. Yeah, but like, but like she like I mean, she she talks also knows like, it's a show. She also knows it's a show. Yeah, she she's aware of it's a show. She she's aware of the internet trolls. Like she's like aware of the fact that she's just sort of like, man, I love when Wong shows up. She's like, it's like Twitter armor for a whole week because everybody loves <laughs> Wong. <laughs> like yeah, like oh, this is the wedding episode. We're doing this really. Is this what you want to watch? <laughs> oh, fine. Yeah, hmm. it's it. There, there's moments, moments of pretty good stuff in there, but I, I cannot, I cannot give it the whole slog. But I heard about the breaking the fourth wall and, and calling Marvel out on the like, why does he have to become a Hulk at the end so that we can fight him? Like, why does the can't the bad guy just be like a shitty dude? <laughs> Which that was my my favorite, I think, calling out the calling out the tropes. Mm. It was fun. Hmm. I liked her. I liked her line. Like. Uh, Hulk smashes bad guys. She Hulk smashes your preconceived notions of what a superhero should be. And sometimes Matt Murdock. Matt Murdock. 
good. Uh, speaking of Disney Plus, I watched uh, the Hocus Pocus du- 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 duology. I don't know. Me too. You mean you watched both Hocus Pocus? Movies? I watched both Hocus Pocus films. Wow. So uh, they're fine. I because mm-hmm. I I was interested because there was like backlash on the second one. They were like, "Why did you shit all over my childhood?" And I was like, "Listen, Hocus Pocus is not a thing that has a special place in my childhood. I was not allowed to watch it as a child. It had witches in it and witchcraft. Oh, it was the Satan's, Satan's Satan's doorway. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I ended up maybe like watching it like later on when it popped up on like a remember Magical TV, World yeah. of Disney on like Sunday or whatever. Probably mm-hmm. probably watched it at that point." But it was never, like, in heavy rotation. I was like, okay, this is just a, a goofy movie about witches. Mm. And having watched both of them back-to-back, I think anybody who has anything bad to say about the second one has a lot of nostalgia goggles about the first one. Like, there's a lot of dumb silliness in the first one, and there's a lot of dumb silliness in the second one. And it was pretty much... They were certainly the same tone, kind of the same sense of humor... I appreciated mm-hmm. the fact that instead of it just being a random like teenage boy <laughs> that thwarts them, it's actually like a teenage girl who is the protagonist of the film. It just like mm-hmm. it makes a little bit more sense. Uh, and even people say like, "Oh, they kind of turned the witches good at the end." I'm like, "Not really. They just decided that she cared more about her sisters than herself." That was about it. My my one complaint is they could have brought back. Even in just some way, uh, Hilary Swank, Omri Katz, and Thora Birch. It seems weird to have none of them even mentioned. Yeah, they were just like, that ha- That thing happened 30 years ago or whatever. And I'm like, they all left town? To be fair, though, I would have left town. I would not have stayed in Salem when I, if I actually had to fight witches at some point in my childhood. I've been like, I am moving away from this place. <laughs> So sure. it was directed by Kenny Ortega, whose name for some reason reminded me that uh, on the list at 186 we have the Descendants. The Descendants That's right. By, also directed by Kenny Ortega. Yeah, he's one of those like well, he's, I mean, a, he's, he's a he's a like a Disney, Disney jobber. Well, not necessarily a Disney jobber. Like he look if you look at his whole filmography, he's done a couple of good things and a couple of bad things. But I think he's like certainly one of those guys who you can be like, here's a Disney movie, and he's like, I understood the assignment, like. Yeah. <laughs> It's... I mean, the fan service wasn't hammer you over the head. It was better than the Matrix Four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I said, I mean, like the same thing too with like, oh, like uh, where one of the sisters like flies on like dual Roombas or whatever. Like she flew on a vacuum in the first one. Like it, hmm. this is not a it's not a crazy departure. <laughs> I, I like the anecdote of uh, why Kathy Najimy's face got switched to the other side. She gets slapped. Because she gets slapped, and the reason that she got slapped was like thirty years ago. I could do it on that side. Now yeah, I can't. Like, I can't like, because she has like a weird thing where she like curls her like lip, like kind of like think of what Elvis's lip does up. She does mm-hmm. down and to the left with her lower lip, huh. and it's weird. And she does it in the entire first film, and then she was like, "Oh yeah, they were like, and now do that thing." And she's like, "My face doesn't do that anymore. I was like thirty, and now I'm fifty-six or whatever." But she's like, "I can weirdly do it on the other side of my face." So there's a scene where like. That Miller just like slaps her real hard in the face, and then it's on the other side. It's funny. Yeah, it's funny. But yeah, I thought it was. <laughs> I thought it was fine. I I don't think it was a ruining my childhood moment. But like I said, Hocus Pocus wasn't a part of my childhood, so I don't really have any strong opinions. 
on it. I don't really remember it that well. I think I saw it one time when I was really little, and that was it. Speaking of uh, witch news. Witch news. Angela Lansbury died. Star of Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Most people would remember her for Murder, She No. Bedknobs and Broomsticks was a very big... Big movie, I want to say. I obviously Murder She Wrote was definitely yeah. her like her most iconic role, but I was just you know tying it into Hocus Pocus. Ninety six, I guess she just waited yep. for the Queen to die, and then was <laughs> like, "Ha ha, take that, Elizabeth Windsor." Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like, you can't call it a tragedy when you die at ninety six, but nope. Did she do anything bad? Storied career was was murder like murder she wrote. I remember even like watching a murder she wrote, like and I say I recently, like him. Like, yeah. And it was like I'm like oh, this is a cool little them. thing. Like, this is a cool little. Person, I watched a whole bunch of them when they were on Prime. Yeah, like a whole bunch of them, and and they're oddly uh, overtly sexual in some episodes, Ooh. which was a little weird to hear to see. Like how much Angela Lansbury you get to see Angela Lansbury. <laughs> Not, you don't get to see a lot, but there's like lots of like flirty innuendo because she's a, a, a widower. Yeah. And like every other rich old white guy is just like, <laughs> hello. Yeah, that, that was a I, thing, I right? Like, I, like, I really remember watching this when I had to spend weeks with my grandparents over the summer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you want to like, guess how long it was on the air? Like how a many real seasons? long time. I did like 200 like episodes. 14, 19, 84 19. to 2003. Wow. What a star. Yeah. Angela Lansbury. Yeah, because it was on CBS. It was your grandparents' favorite network. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they catered to that. Yeah. Golden Girls <laughs> but, was also was Golden Girls also a CBS show, an empty nest. It must yep. have been. Yep. Though they were in a shared empty universe. Nest was NBC, but Matlock was. Was it Angela? Was, was Murder She Wrote must have been in a shared universe with some like Matlock and stuff, right? Like it had to have been. There had to be crossovers. I, I wonder mean, if they thought about that quick, stuff. Yeah. She wrote crossover episodes. Well, I remember M- Empty Nest and Golden Girls was a shared universe because he was their doctor, and like so they. Yeah, I don't remember Empty Nest at all. I've never. I don't know that I've ever. Empty heard Nest of that. was like a good-looking, uh, like doctor who thought his kids had all moved out, and he was like going to enjoy retirement, and then like things went sad. Like one of his daughters lost her job, and the other one's going through a divorce, so like his kids all moved back in. But he was just like, damn it. And he's like, it's not an empty nest at all. But he actually is the, the doctor. Like, in universe, he's the doctor for the Golden Girls. So every now and then there's, like, right. crossover episodes. Murder, she wrote crossovers. Oh, shit. Murder, did she cross over with Magnum P.I.? Whoa, I heard about that. Magnum on Ice, two-parter, two-part crossover <laughs> story with Magnum P.I., Oh, this is the only episode I want to watch. <laughs> Two episodes. Oh, man. Tom Selleck and Angela Lansbury solving the same crime. And again, Angela Lansbury, a little bit horny. Yeah, so. probably flirted with Tom Selleck. That's great. <laughs> Fictional crossovers, Murder, She Wrote. That's very, very funny. Is that the only one? I think it's the only one. Whoa, holy crap. That's amazing. Murder, she wrote, for detail, the Murder, she wrote, wiki. I don't know if reading the wiki is... No, 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 I'm just taking a look at it. Like, there were even, like, a hundred freaking books. That's nuts. I mean... The Law and Harry McGraw was a spinoff of Murder, she wrote. Uh-huh. 
Jessica was seen playing Spy Hunter. No, I think the only oh characters from Strange Bargain appear in the Murder She Wrote episode, The Days Dwindle Down. I don't know what Strange Bargain is, but apparently it was a show in the eighties. But yeah, the only major one was really the, the Magnum PI uh, crossover. Mm-hmm. Bizarre. Huh. A thing like that. So yeah, Law and Harry McGraw was characters that they tried to spin off in eighty seven, and then Strange Bargain. I can't believe she never had an overlap with Matlock. Or Perry Mason. Or Columbo. Or huh? Perry Mason? Oh, yeah. Perry Mason would have been a what, good one, too. What was he on? What was the show? Perry, Perry Mason. Mason. Is this called Perry Mason? Yeah. yeah. I remember my grandparents watching that like every day. Yep. <laughs> just like some, like, it's such a weird genre. Just being like, old people, they're good for stuff. They could solve crimes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was... <laughs> Fight ageism by assuming all old people are detectives. <laughs> How is that? Wait, like forty or fifty years from now, we're going to have Stranger Things reunion. They're going to fight a the really upside old upside down. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's fine, but I and I I don't think I'll hate. I didn't hate Matlock as a TV show. I didn't hate Murder She Wrote as a TV show. I'm just thinking it was it was such a Columbo weird, was like, really good. Yeah, that was a really good show. Columbo wasn't like actively old though. Like Matlock and Angela Lansbury, like their age or Murder She Wrote, like the fact that they were older characters. Like Columbo seemed to just be like a, a gruff gruff PI who was a little bit older. Right. It wasn't necessarily like an old person solving well, mysteries. He just but, was but he kind of like played into it because he it wasn't action. You know, there was there was never him getting into running around doing yeah. that kind of stuff. It was yeah. always just like plotting and being a little frumpy yeah. and short. He was he was like too old for this shit old. Yeah. He wasn't like like cast off by or retired. Yeah, he wasn't retired, right? right? Like he okay. was he was still working. Uh, uh, finally, uh I also watched X by Ty West. Or Ty West. Ty West is one of those guys who somehow has like one of those like nouveau horror like savant guys like him and like Eli Roth and all them are like they're like one of the mo- the new modern masters of horror, or whatever. Hmm. But like everything he does, I'm not he, like the the Roost was the first one. House of the Devil. He did the Innkeepers. You remember the Innkeepers? No, not at all. It was like a ghost movie, ghost story. And hmm. then he did the Sacrament, which I haven't seen. Uh, and then... Oh, VHS. That's where I know him from. Yeah, he, he did one of some of the VHS shorts. One too. of the VHS shorts. Okay. Yeah, no, and uh, it was fun. X was yeah. okay. Uh, the, the, the setup was... Uh, it's like 1976, and mm-hmm. uh, people rent a... rent like a guest cabin on a farm to film a porno, mm-hmm. and then some like insane shit goes down. It's Is it good? It's okay. I was like, this is a fine slasher thing. I think, and again, like, it's, like, I don't know where he gets this kind of, like, cred from. Because it's, the interesting stuff isn't that interesting. The gore isn't that gory. The, like, I guess it's just, like, I mean, spoilers, I suppose. The old people are doing the killing. So this ties into Murder, She Wrote. They're like, ha, they, <laughs> <laughs> they, they, you thought that you could get rid of them. And it's basically like a... The, the the old lady used to be hot and now her husband can't have sex with her anymore because he's worried about his heart. So mm-hmm. they kind of like lure young people into like sexually torture, I suppose. This is kind of their, 
it's revealed that this is sort of their 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 mo mm-hmm. and obviously the the porno crew gets kind of like picked off one by one by the old people because they don't really suspect that it's the actual old people they think that maybe there's like something else afoot Mm-hmm. Or whatever, or that there's another murderer loose, or who would suspect old people, right? And I guess that's that's the like the interesting thing about it. Uh, I don't know if the old people are actually old. They did appear to be like young people <laughs> in, in old people in makeup. old people costumes, which was like Ugh. not fun. But like, mm-hmm. if I look at the cast, like the cast. Like it says starring, and it only has the like young people in the cast. <clears throat> Even though the two old people are like not prevalent, so yeah, it's weird. Stephen Yuri yeah. is Howard, and then. Like yeah, I'm looking at even at the Wikipedia page. Even though, so like I guess, spoilers for the film. What's their name? Howard and his wife, Lorraine Pearl. Yeah, Pearl. Like mm-hmm. looking at the ca- looking at the Wikipedia page, Pearl does not have a cast. Oh no, she. Oh, because Pearl is also Mia Goth. That's it. That's why. So it is a young person in an old person costume. So that's always weird. I'm like, give me actual old that's people. Super weird. I guess they're trying doing to doing crazy murder things. That's much more interesting. Yeah. Also like real old people, like even Steven Yuri, who plays the other old person is like in his, looks like maybe he's in his, oh, he's 60, but like in the film, he's portrayed to be like eighties. He's like, mm-hmm. they're, they're both, they both are supposed to be like octogenarians who like were, he was in, he was supposed to like, this character was supposed to have fought in both world wars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's the, both? well, it's the seventies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not okay. it's not now. <laughs> so Riss and I watched uh, Jennifer's Body today. Oh, Ooh. Nice. It was fun. Mm-hmm. It's funner than I thought it would be for a movie starring Megan Fox. I remember it being like much like more clever and like like dark comedy than I uh, was anticipating. Like it wasn't ju- mm-hmm. it wasn't just stupid slasher. It was like it was actually had like moments of like cleverness like like trying to try like certainly less than but like trying to hit like faculty-esque tone because of who wrote the script and who wrote the script diablo cody diablo cody yeah i thought there was a a, like a feminist core to the movie i don't i don't know that i caught it when i watched it the we might have seen it at a party where many of us were drinking the the one time that i watched it but i thought it was the one time that i was drinking no, the one time that I was watching that movie while drinking. Which the also only time I've ever been drunk in my life was watching Jennifer's Body in college. Mm, don't know about that. <laughs> but, um, well, but, I mean, yeah, just without even breaking into the plot, um, it's it's a female monster killing high school dudes. Mm-hmm. Which is like a flipped on its head horror movie trope, right? It's not just hunting down all the the final girls it's it's all the dudes getting chewed up i guess there's some some funny stuff like that in x also like the virgin dies first which is kind of funny like 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 the the, the virgin cinematographer and not one of the porn stars mm-hmm. like everybody's having like sex but like the, the virgin like camera guy is the guy who eats it first and i was like oh nice mm-hmm. <laughs> like, 
that's kind of fun. And then obviously like mm-hmm. one of the porn stars is the final girl. So it's like, and is like super, super not virginal, not just because she's a porn star, but we will find out in the reveal at the end of the film that she's in fact like the runaway of like a televangelist daughter. So like she was like extra cast all of her normal final girl protection aside but was still the final girl. So I guess we're supposed to like care more about that, but I'm like, it's 2020. I'm like, I don't like these tropes have been turned on their head so many times that uh-huh. like Jennifer's body, I think is probably more subversive than X in that way. Like, even though it's an old lady is the main killer. Mm-hmm. Like I would say Jennifer's body. I th- if I recall, seemed to be clever, more clever. It's pretty clever. The, the dialogue is fun and like obviously buffy inspired well and well but, juno too right like it's like the the, the like like you know, you know who wrote juno i know exactly that's what i'm saying i'm, 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 I'm looking at the diablo cody stuff it's like she absolutely has that like every like it's that um like david mamet kind of like everybody's everybody talks a particular way even though there's no reason that high schoolers should speak like they should be this clever and well-spoken mm-hmm. yeah. she like certainly has that that style and like Megan Fox plays a shitty high school popular girl but she's you know constantly finding new ways to be shitty to, to twist the knife in, in her friends example oh, it's, I'm trying to think it's hard to pull them out but it's just like very very short cutting barbs all, all the time whenever she's confronted about being shitty and probably more clever than any high school girl is, I would say. I mean, yeah. In that mean girls kind of way where, yeah, exactly. Like instead of her just being like, you're fat, she'll like have like a scathing barb prepared. That is like a perfect takedown. Super mean, (laughs) but I mean, they weren't even all super mean. They were, and, and she's being mean to her best friend who just kind of doesn't like sad sack. Take it but kind of takes it in a way like, yeah, I, I've known you for 10 years. Like, I know, I know that you're being shitty. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't like, she doesn't like go home and cry because she's being someone like one of her friends was mean to her. She's just like, ugh, you're such a bitch. But they were like mean and bitchy and it was good. What prompted you to watch this? I thought you don't usually uh, hit the horror. This was watching it. Uh-huh. And I just turned my eyes to the screen. Uh, I don't hate, horror movies i just don't like the slow tense torture porn movies hmm. and this was definitely not that this was closer to scream than um hostile mm-hmm. so does it go in the same bucket as the faculty yeah yep. yeah yeah exactly and the faculty was fine i like that kind of stuff speaking of that we talked about a bunch of movies and we totally didn't rank any of them does any of this I don't think like four or five so movies. The only one that we've both, well, we multiple people watched would be Hocus Pocus 2. Do you want to rank Hocus Pocus 2? Sure. Where's the Descendants? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, man. Like, but like above the Descendants because Bette Midler and Sarah Jessica Parker and Kathleen Jimmy are more interesting. The Descendants is 186. It's way low. Very low. What's and it's around there. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's, it can't, I don't know, can it, it can't get much higher, though. <laughs> like, uh, like, I would watch 
No Holds Barred before it, Baywatch before it, Goon before it, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows. It was watchable. But, but, you know, it was watchable, much like I'm never going to watch Hoax Pokes 2 ever again. I don't think. I would watch it before that TMNT movie, though. But then will you watch it before... We have Zack... Like, see, we have 19... 184, it's Zack... Justice League Zack Snyder, but we really need to, I think, change that to the fact that it's the Joss Whedon one that is ranked there. Because it even says the only thing that's good about it is that Cyborg says booyah in the end, which is not in the Snyder cut. <laughs> so you're taking out the one thing I like. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, because the the what's his name, uh, the guy who played it didn't want to say it, and Joss Whedon bullied him into mm-hmm. saying it. Really? Yep. That's so fucking horrible. And then took him out of the sequel, right? Or cut him almost completely out of the movie? Yeah, he's he's not nearly in yeah. the 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 Whedon cut, whereas he's a pretty big part of the Snyder cut. Let's be fair here. Like, I can't imagine. Ben Affleck was a lot of fun to be on set with. You got Ezra Miller in that movie a whole bunch. Oof, yeah. Uh, what a Gal nightmare! Godot. Like, like as as we okay. as, as we discovered, playing cyborg fighting with with Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon's on set, so he's not he's not fun to be around. Yeah. I, I can just imagine Jason Momoa being like, "I'm going to have another beer." <laughs> fuck, fuck this. Jason Momoa and, uh, Momo and Henry, Gal, Gal Gadot just like hanging out being like, this sucks. And, and Henry Cavill was like, oh, I need to come back and do reshoots? Well, I'm not shaving my mustache because fuck this movie. Well, he couldn't. He wasn't allowed. I thought they asked I mean, the director of that movie and he was like, no, I need a mustache for my movie. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The studio, the contract that he signed, the studio refused. Yeah, he did not put up much of a fight. Okay. I mean, he knew what movie he was making with that Justice League movie. That must, it must have been such a shit show. That was his third Superman. run of Superman. Yep. And with, what and... a tragedy. He's so misused in that because he, he does good, charming stuff. You know, he could be like a friendly Superman rather than an angsty emo Superman. <laughs> the dumbest. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I think. But it, this is the zone for Hocus Pocus 2. Yep. Like, I don't think it can get. I don't think it's, it's going above Justice League. Come on. Yeah, I don't say, but like, I don't Just think it can get above the like, <clears throat> like Baywatch was funny. Funny. Yeah, exactly. That's it. It's like, it's like, this is, it can't get past no holds barred is what I'm saying. <laughs> Fine. Put it right under there. It's better than the Phantom Menace. There's nothing as cool as the pod race in Pocus Pocus 2. Yeah, but it's oddly but, comparable. But there's nothing as bad as Jar Jar in Hocus Pocus 2. Right. <laughs> and there really could have, but there there isn't. Yeah. Sure, right there is fine. Above above episode one? Yep. Alright. Above episode. The special effects look better. Yeah. They held up. And I guess the last bit of spooky news before we uh, head into garbage time. Did anyone watch any Midnight Club? We started it. Nope. It's the latest installment nope. in the Flaniverse. Oh really? Oh, I saw it. I saw it advertised, and I didn't check it out. And it looked like a flaniverse. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't look enough to see it. It centers around a spooky house. <laughs> how does it? How does it go? Uh, so it, it's it is based on some original material. So this is not a. Uh, I think they all were actually. I'm not sure. At least I know Haunting of Bly Manor was a book, and Haunting of Hell House was definitely a book. I don't know if Midnight Mass was 
something. No, that was his. Apparently, he wanted to make it for years and years and years. Before well, but maybe he wanted to make it, but it might have still been a book or whatever, right? Like it might have okay. been a, a project. Anyway, I don't I know. I think it was his. But yeah, this this is based on a book where there's a it's a special hospice center for like terminally ill teenagers. Basically, so it's like a real bummer of a place, but it's kind of like the idea being like, hey, if you're a teenager with like terminal cancer and you're like kind of tired of fighting and maybe want the last six months to a year or whatever time you got left of your life to just kind of be like a normal teenager. Mm-hmm. This is you can come and live in this like hospice care with some other teenagers where we like give you like a lot of freedom. There's still like you know, like group therapy and sessions and whatever. And like, we absolutely make you comfortable and it's a medical facility and blah, 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 blah. But like, instead of just being like sad hospital, like, like, like the, when our main character decides to like choose this place after like, she's had like three rounds of chemo in the last year and whatever. And it's like, nothing's going into remission. It's like spreading more. Like, it's like, it's really a, it's not just like I have cancer and I want to die. They're like, no, this is pretty messed up. But uh and there's at least a couple of like little plot hooks that at least someone who went to this place uh miraculously got cured they <laughs> they kind of tie that up in like the first or not or present that in like the first episode and the overall device is that these terminally ill teenagers get together at midnight and tell each other spooky stories hence the midnight club so <laughs> there seems to be something supernatural happening in uh, Brightwood or Brightcliff or whatever, which is the the name of the the hospice care facility, seems to be something there. Spooky shit's happening there, weird apparitions. But then there's also these weird little kind of like vignettes in the middle, which is kind of fun too because it's also like it's the the kids play themselves or or play the characters in the vignettes. Mm-hmm. So like when they okay. like when they pause the show and tell a spooky story, it's then acted out with like like you know the same cast as is in the Midnight Club. So it's kind of fun. So you can see, like, actors playing multiple roles hmm. within their own little stories, and the little stories are kind of okay. And every now and then they're like, you'll, they'll abruptly stop and be like, wait, jump scares? Like, you thought you were better than this. And, like, like <laughs> even, like, after having a jump scare and stuff, so there's a little bit right. of, like, meta meta stuff going on. I like it. Hmm. We're excited. I think we're two two or three episodes in. I I have, like, more or less faith in yeah. in him. Yeah, I think it's, sure. like, like, other, like, there's, there were moments of – I think I've had, like, minor issues with all three previous installments. But, like, overall, I would recommend all three, like, Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Bly Manor, and Midnight Mass, even though I've had, like, taken issues. I think it's hard to pull off long-form horror, and he's done it mm-hmm. pretty successfully, like, multiple times. So I will watch him on this journey and see what, where it goes. Cool. John was asking me about what I don't like. I, I did – didn't like um, Hill House. I gave a few episodes, and I was like, nope, this is not for me. What was it that did um, it? Bad stuff happening to kids. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I that, like that, and that's, that is certainly, like, mi- like, Midnight Club is heavy, right? You're like, every character is dying of cancer. Mm. <laughs> like, and, and it's, and it's they, they often talk about it, and it's like, it's rough, and some of the supernatural stuff happens and then back to she's really sick today because she's dying of cancer and you're like, oh. midnight mass got pretty intellectual about death and life and yeah. god and all that kind of stuff does this go into that territory or has is it, it a little yet. more but like it is there's still like everybody kind of has like like there's like uh 
Like, it's kind of fun because, like, a lot of the characters have different ways of coping. Like, Mm -hmm. some of them are, like, you just face it head on and, like, you just deal with it and whatever scraps of, like, you know, joy you can get are fine. But, like, pretending it's not happening doesn't help anyone. One's in, like, total denial or whatever. There's been no, like, five minutes, like, soliloquies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So he's dialed that back for Midnight Mass. Because those those were those were a little intense. Like that would be my main critique on Midnight Mass was I was like, people just talking in a conversation. I mean, that was kind of the point. That was what the show was was these characters learning about themselves and 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 such through conversation. Yeah, but it wasn't always conversation, right? Like when the, the when I, I think that yeah. the one where I was like, let's go was when they've built up to the Midnight Mass. And we all know it's coming, and we all know it's waiting, and they've actually, like, like ratcheted the tension up to 11, and then, like, the, the, like, the police guy's like, let me tell you about my wife. And I'm like, I don't care. Get two vampires. <laughs> vampires, vampires, vampires. Like, I couldn't, like, it's a good monologue, well-performed by an excellent actor, but I'm like, I know what's about to happen. Shit's about to blow off that church like nobody's business. I don't care about your wife or your backstory anymore. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. That, and so, yeah, it was just, like... That would be my main critique, is it was, like, some of those monologues, like, the, some of the priest monologues are amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, like they're fantastic stuff, but it does get a little overused, I think, throughout the, the series. Like, it's, and again, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It's, that's a critique, not a not a, a dismissal of the show. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm down, but it, it, it is rough. It is, it's kids who are dying. Like, that is, mm-hmm. uh, I can see why a lot of people are like, this is a little hard to watch. But, uh, but yeah, I'll, go. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll give it give it the go ahead. Cool. Anything else? Super spooky things happening. I'm about to go see Barbarian tomorrow night, <clears throat> which I know exactly. nothing about. But is a horror film that I was told that the less I know about it, the better. But a couple of people who are into really who has made it? Who has made it? I I don't know anything about it. Anything about I, I I was talking to Sam, friend of the mm-hmm. show, Sam. And she was like, we were pretty eye to eye in terms of a lot of stuff that we recommend. And she was like, have you heard of, like, heard about Vibrarian? I was like, I heard it, but I don't know anything about it. She was like, don't Google it. Don't watch the trailer. Don't read a synopsis. She was like, just go. Like, just go. And she was like, the less you know about it, the more fun you're going to have. So I was like, I think it's going to be the first time in a long time that I'm going into a movie, like, not even knowing who the writer or director is. So I'll report back in two weeks. Cool. Do it. Uh, this was 9 to 5 Entertainment System, everybody. Ba-toom. Extra long one. Not extra long. An hour 10? Yeah. Couple Enjoy of. the extra 10. Hi. Thanks for sticking around to the very end of this show. That means you're our number one fan. As our number one fan, maybe you're wondering a way that you can show your support for this. We've set up a few ways, and the boys are going to tell you about it now. If you like this show, you might know other people that like this show, or maybe they'll like some of the other stuff that we're doing on the website. If that's the case, you can tell them all about it using all of the social networks, like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all of those. Or you could just you know, send people links directly to the website. Or if you live in a world without the internet and you only listen to podcasts, you can tell people about it with your human mouth. There's other ways we could support us, John. If your interest in supporting us extends to the financial section, you might consider patreon.com slash 9to5cc. 
If you go there, you can get perks like early content, you can get your questions answered on the air, and you can get extra art. We've been doing this show for a long time, so we kind of know what we're doing. Not really. <laughs> 905.cc. Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.